Hello and welcome to episode 117 of the Implant Games Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Genthy, and with me, my co-host, Matthew Schultz. Hello, how are you today? Uh, I'm uh, I'm doing well. The weather uh, the weather is not like 80 and muggy out. It's like 70. It's like California right now. Nice. Yeah, the humidity here is starting to, to dissipate too. I got my nice uh, tall glass of iced tea. Nice. Re- ready to have a... A good podcast. I always get, uh, you ever get like lost on Wikipedia where you just start reading things and they really have no relevance to your life whatsoever? Oh, absolutely. The rabbit hole. Yeah. So like, I, I swear I must have spent an hour one day just going through like California cities on, uh, on Wikipedia <laughs> and then looking at like the weather. Cause like, you know, San Diego is known for having amazing weather. If you live near the coast, I think it's like 65 in the winter, 75 in the summer. And it's just amazing every single day. Yeah. And so, like, today is what I would imagine it to be there. I, if that was actually true, I don't know what the weather's like in California. Yeah, I mean, generally, if it's not super hot uh, during the summertime, at least where I'm at, then, yeah, you're you're getting pretty consistent uh, t-shirt weather. Nice. For the most part. Yeah. I'm a little jealous. Did you ever live in, the, in some place where it snowed or it had a mm. crappy winter? No, I only have childhood memories of snow, actually, um, <laughs> and uh, the unexpected uh, pain of cold yeah. uh, that I was not prepared for when I was like, oh, I'm going to make a snowball with my bare hands. Oh, no, uh, this is <laughs> a terrible idea. <laughs> we had a but, we had a like a winter from hell a few years ago where here in Wisconsin or at least the, the Green Bay area was minus zero uh, for 50 days out of the winter minus oh, wow. zero for 52 days it was insane yeah that's that doesn't sound pleasant so i don't know what that is in celsius minus something i have no idea but i always like to look at like different places around the world and be like i wonder like where these places exist that don't have winter <laughs> that must be awesome yeah, it's it's um it's awesome, isn't it's, it? <laughs> well, uh I don't know. I mean, we you know, we had our drought um for the past couple of years and so uh we're seeing our water rates climb and things like that and um the uh the lawn is disappearing here um for for everyone that that uh that vision of just being able to have a lawn in this heat is not working out. You know, so which is a good thing, I guess, for everyone to kind of let go of that that concept because they're all just <laughs> they're all uh, blonde looking uh, now. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's um, I don't know. I whatever the weather is, I want to be the opposite of it. So if it's if it's hot outside, I want to be cool inside. If it's cold outside, I want to be warm inside. And and like to an extreme that isn't seventy two degrees, you know. Like- if it's cold, if it's cold outside, I want to be seventy six inside. That kind of thing. So you don't even know what cold is. <laughs> I uh. guess not. <laughs> All right. What have you been up to this week? Well, uh, I've been playing a lot of Ghost Recon Wildlands with a friend of mine. That's like the ultimate dad game. Um, I know it's a modern game, so it's not really uh, in our milieu for the for the podcast necessarily. But um, been playing a lot of that. What and does what does the ultimate dad game mean? <laughs> it's uh it's something that well with a little one with a little baby in particular it's perfect for um being able to I I get to talk to somebody 
and not not be a complete hermit. So I'm playing with you know an, another dad. Um, <laughs> so there's that. But then it's it's you're able to just drop it if you need to. Okay. Because it's not it's not um, it's open world, but it's also cooperative and and so. Um, it just and, and you're blowing things up and so i don't know for some reason i'm like I, you know i'm a dad now i need to start reading tom clancy yes and <laughs> uh no but uh it just it just has that like pick up and play and, and kind of drop and it's it's not a time investment open world games you know you you come back to them and you're like what was i doing and yeah. you forget about you're like oh man i don't even remember the story anymore and I don't remember this or that. And and I feel like I shouldn't even be playing unless I start over this kind of game. It's open world, but you don't really have to care about that. You just jump in. You can take a base, shut it down and be done with it. So, nice. um, yeah, it's filling, it's scratching an itch right now. The only, I played Ghost Recon Advanced Warfighter. I actually beat that game on the 360 uh, back when it was new. So probably 2006 when I was still playing modern games. Um, and I guess it held my attention enough to beat it, but it was, it was a single player experience. Yeah, this, uh, we, there's different like m- modes of difficulty you can play on this. And is there um, a dad mode? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually this is, I guess it's funny cause it's, that's, uh, the difficulty that I'm playing on is kind of the polar opposite of what I'm saying. Uh, we, we, I'm playing on, um, uh, sort of the more realistic setting where, uh, every, you know, if you, if you get hit with a bullet, you're probably not going to make it kind yeah. of thing. Uh, like the old, uh, rainbow six, um, the kind of, kind of that level of realism. Uh, so it is a little frustrating cause, uh, we mess up a lot. Yeah. So, um, but, uh, I do, I, I feel like that's missing from shooters is that sense of danger from, uh, from, uh, the lethalness of, uh, guns. I feel like is, is, uh, not there in a lot of, you know, modern, uh, modern shooters necessarily in steel battalion which is the xbox game that has like that massive 40 whatever button controller with foot pedals are you familiar <laughs> with this yeah I think and that's so. it's the same thing if you die and you don't hit eject it erases your save and you start all over <laughs> oh my god um that's really that's hilarious intense. yeah <laughs> That brings a new level to uh, um, Dark Souls hard. <laughs> yeah, I would love to actually sink some real time, but like in order to play that game, I would need to buy like a second desk so I could set up the controller, and then it would probably take me a month to learn how to play the game because <laughs> my brain doesn't work with like the the analog setup that's going on there. And mm. yeah, it's well, it's kind of like it's like playing the drums. Like that, the hardest <laughs> thing about that is for me at least is like okay when you're doing something on the downbeat or something and and you're trying to, you know, you're trying to tell your, your brain with what the rhythm is and what your hands are supposed to be doing are kind of two different things. And, uh, man, that definitely looks like something that would, uh, would increase the probability of my head thinking one thing, I'm going to do this. <laughs> and my, my your hands are like, the, nope, we're over here. Yeah. My motor skills would go in a different <laughs> direction and, and that's not what would happen at all. I would someday I'll get through it. Just not now. It's a time suck, but that's what that reminds me of. Cause that yeah. game, yeah, you mess up, you, it's over. There's no doubt that the controller setup for that has been used in sci-fi films on like sci-fi channel or something like that. They've, they've uh, gotten, gotten those controller setups. And it's just like the ultimate it on prop. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> just weather it up a bit and then call right. it a day. Yep. Some gunmetal spray on it. It's pretty fantastic. What about you? What have you been up to? I moved from Rayman to Alex Kidd and Miracle World for the Sega Master System. I actually just picked mm-hmm. this up on Saturday and uh, I started playing it and I'm like, well, I guess this is the review for this week. <laughs> so this is a 1986 platformer. I've, everyone knows the story. It's the so- Sega's platformer after Mario, but before Sonic. Uh, pretty decent game. Pretty good game with some really terrible controls. Have you ever played it before? No, I, I watched your review, though, and um, it sounds like it's, they've just flipped what you expect from uh, from from a platformer as far as, like, your acceleration and everything like that. That's just, it's, a, it's all kind of whack, it's, wonky. I don't know what to, it's like the opposite of Psycho Fox or um, Decap mm. Attack or Kid Cool. Have you ever played any of those Vic Tokai games? Yeah. Your character takes, like, forever to get up to speed. Yeah. So yeah. it makes like jumping off small platforms hard because you can never get enough speed to actually jump far. It's like the opposite yeah. of that, where as soon as you press the button, like you're off to the races. And it's really hard to show in a video as well because it just looks like you're playing poorly. But yeah, the controls are terrible. But if you can get past the controls, it's actually uh, pretty good. The levels are actually really fun. The boss battles, the the rock, paper, scissors aspect of them isn't very fun. But the actual mechanics when they uh, when they start actually attacking is pretty good. The levels are fun to explore. Soundtrack and graphics are both kind of have that 1986 Master System feel to it. But uh, overall, I thought it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it a lot more than I was expecting. But the game is getting kind of pricey. It's like $30 for a complete copy. Which is unfortunate. Mm. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely I is it thirty dollars because it's it's Alex Kid and not thirty dollars because it's you know I am very unfamiliar with the Master System collectors world. Um I would have to assume there's uh, I guess it's what we'll talk about later is everybody that has a master system wants the game because it's one of the better games on the system and uh, nothing on the master system sold that well. So there's not very many yeah. copies out there. I yeah, guess. Yeah. Yeah. I always wanted to try um, Ninja Gaiden on it. Um, yeah. There's a couple and there's that like Castlevania clone that everybody always raves about, but both of those are just, they're pricey. Yeah, because not only do the Europeans want them, but the Americans want those games too. So, <laughs> yeah, I had a I had a chance to buy a, a Master System complete um, about a year ago at a swap meet. But um, everybody at the swap meet that I go to in in this area, they they charge eBay prices and don't consider that those prices uh, aren't the sell prices and that um, eBay has fees and shipping and those, you know, you should subtract that from uh, yeah. somebody who's waking up like- at f- four in the morning to, <laughs> to buy something in the middle, you know, in the cold. Um, I'm not the, that early but. on the channel. I always tell people to just buy a power base mini or buy a power base mini FM because even the power base mini FM. So that allows you to listen to the FM sound for the games that support it is only, I think 60 or $70, which is either about the price of a master system or cheaper and, uh, much more reliable, <laughs> yeah, much more easy to use and yeah, cheaper. We were talking about consoles and, and their looks, and the Master System just, it looks 
sexy <laughs> it's it's got an 80s chic to it <laughs> man it does it really does it's it like, looks like it should be in uh it should be a part of kit on night rider yeah. it's got that aesthetic to it it's it's, it's I don't know something something about just the look and the and the sh- the red and I don't know it's just beautiful. It's very unique. I didn't like it yeah. so much like in the '90s or early 2000s, but like as time went on, I'm like this is kind of the most ridiculous looking thing. Yeah, like somebody had like the most basic concept of CAD, and then that's what they made. <laughs> oh, I can yeah. just like move this up and connect the lines, and <laughs> hey, I'm done. <laughs> it really looks like you're just supposed to slide a tape in there and hit play. Yeah, there <laughs> like, you go uh it's great so no alex kid america world a decent sms game or master system game i don't know if i would recommend it to normal people for 30 dollars, but uh it's pretty good price aside yeah i also i have a long-term project i'm working on and that is uh my super nintendo setup so my super nintendo that i well, not anymore, that I had for the last few years was a very clean Super Nintendo, so it had no yellowing or anything like that, um, but it was one of the earlier revisions that it, that has a soft picture. Mm. Um, so most people desire the one-chip NES. There was three Super Nintendo, rather. The one-chip SNES. There's three v- revisions of that, I believe, and then uh, otherwise you can buy a SNES Junior and uh rgb mod it and add that functionality that was taken out of it to make it cheaper um so i've been kind of keeping an eye out on my local stores for a clean one chip super nintendo or a snes jr and uh, the snes jr finally presented itself so i now own one and then uh, probably next month i will send that off to i think it's voltaire's mod shop and uh have that rgb modded and then i can finally start looking at super nintendo and uh, Super Game Boy games again. Nice. Are are you familiar with the differences in the audio chips on the Super NES? Not really, no. Yeah, this is something I wasn't even aware of until uh, about a year ago. Um, it's not too noticeable on most games, but um, the X, the Mega Man X series in particular, uh, there there are some noticeable differences in the uh, music, I guess you could say, uh, that the SNES will produce depending on the revision that you have. Um, which I had, I had no idea about, um, but it's not, it's not that bad except on some, some games that are taking advantage of a few little, uh, switches that just aren't there on, on the different chips. So a little fascinating thing I didn't know about. Does that mean the guitars in Mega Man X actually sound like guitars or are they still it has just ten, not? <laughs> 10 times the reverb as the, uh, <laughs> I remember the first time someone told me that it was supposed to be like rock music and metal uh, in Mega Man X. I'm like, really? This is supposed to be guitar <laughs> strings? What? Because <laughs> it doesn't yeah. sound like guitar to me. No, not at all. <laughs> all right. So I I was going to mod it myself, just buy the, the mod kit for $30. And uh, I decided against it. Um, I'm not that confident in my soldering skills, especially on like a small pins. Mm-hmm. Like I can do it on, you know, like a big fat pad. If you're just region modding your Neo Geo CD, for example, is very easy. You don't need skill to pull that off. Uh, but I don't quite trust myself for something. So I'm going to spend the extra money and just have an expert do it. Um, but when that happens, I'm looking forward to to going through and revisiting some Super Nintendo games. Yeah, everyone's going to love that. 
Yeah. I'm yeah. looking forward to it. And then finally, um, I've been playing Wallace and Gromit in Project Zoo for the Xbox. You, so you had messaged me about this. I did. And, um, <laughs> and you're like, is that Zoo? Is that what, what did you what did you ask? <laughs> I, I was like, is that a Zoo Tycoon clone? <laughs> like Project Zoo. What is this? This is something somebody recommended this to me whenever somebody on the YouTube channel comments that on an Xbox uh, review where they're like, Oh, I love this game as a kid. I always ask what else did you love as a kid? Or if someone says, Oh, I have so much nostalgia. I'm like, what else do you have nostalgia for? Cause I don't really have childhood nostalgia for the Xbox. It came out when I was an adult, uh, yeah. came out when I was 18 or 17 or whatever. I guess it was just before my 18th birthday. So I don't have a lot of, um, nostalgia for it at all. Or maybe I was 19. I don't know. Um, so I have this game. It's supposed to be on the shorter side. Um, I'm finding it longer than I expected, as always. Uh, but this is actually a platformer. And a, a pretty solid platformer at that. I've actually been... My expectations were low, so that definitely has something to do with it. Uh, but I don't know what to really compare it to. It kind of... You play Gromit, who is the, the dog. And it's kind of like a rescue mission, sort of, where you kind of have to travel through part of the level hitting switches collecting things and then that allows wallace to make it through like a door that opened and then he'll he gets to use the tools to actually open the next area and it's kind of like these really long levels like broken up into smaller parts and uh it's just really really good really I've been avoiding using a guide, trying to beat it straight up. And there's been a few times where I'm like, what in the hell am I supposed to do? And then you kind of figure it out and you're like, ah, so good. Is, is it, do you control both Wallace and Gromit? No, just Gromit, just the dog. So it's kind of like a one-sided, uh, (laughs) lost Vikings, like where you're. Yes. Yeah. That's a good way to look at it. It's kind of like a one-sided lost Vikings. That's interesting. Yeah. It's really, um, yeah. I, I, and it's a, it's platforming. Totally platforming. Okay, cool. That's, that's really interesting. So, um, does it, does it try to emulate the claymation look of the show or it, it does it, when Wallace talks instead of his mouth moving normally, there's like four frames of animation. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I was watching it. I'm like, why did they do that? And then I'm like, Oh, you idiot. He's clay. <laughs> That's how the show is. But it's, it's like, you see that and you're like, Oh, they really paid attention to the details. Now I'm not a big fan of the show. So I, I assume most of the jokes are from the shows or the movies. I think there was actually a movie called Wallace and Gromit in project zoo. I'm not familiar. Um, it's British, so I assume, I don't know how popular it is in America versus overseas, but just like as a game, this, it, it's just, it's really good. It's like a, just a really good platforming game. It reminded me of like the quali- quality level of something like, um, like better than Malice and somewhere around Scalar. Wow. But yeah, yeah that that's <clears throat> definitely something, uh, you asked me about it and I said, well, I'll check if I have a copy and I do for the PS2, so I'm absolutely going to have to check that out. Yeah, fire it up. Tell me I'm crazy or be like, yeah, man, this is totally good. There's only, I have the Xbox version, of course, but there's only six, ver- six copies of the Xbox game on eBay right now, so I don't think it's all that common. And it was, but the what's the price look like? Is it is it reflected in that, or is uh, it just Xbox it, version is about twelve bucks. Oh, okay, and that's I bought, not bad. I bought my copy in May for five, um, so I assume it was sitting on a shelf of the store that I found it at for a long time. But yeah, 
Even at twelve dollars, totally worth it. I'm guessing it's the first playthrough is going to be about six to seven hours, and then the second playthrough will probably be four to five. Yeah, that's not bad at all. Which is good for me because, like you were mentioning with Ghost Recon, I don't want to sit down and play a game for seventeen hours in a row. <laughs> right. Exactly. All right. I so- have- yeah, I, have, I was gonna say I just have a lot of respect how how you when you do doing a review you'll go through a game more than once to try to you know wipe away the first impression almost yeah. and <laughs> I'll get to that later. I've got uh, it's a slow news week, so I've got a couple of questions that are a little more personal, and you and me will kind of chew on those. Okay, alrighty. So you have uh, a Freimeister. I do. And um it's a requirement to be on this show. <laughs> <laughs> I I am considering um possibly selling it uh and playing most of my uh collection on a on a RetroPie for for the sort of high quality HDI on on the big screen um game gameplay. Uh, part of it has to do with, um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a valuable thing. And so it would be nice to almost like what we were talking about. Um, I think it was last week with, uh, the, the vehicle and, um, you know, needing to convert something into some, some money. <laughs> you need to liquidate. Um, exactly. So part, partly to, to that, um, and I, I, I'm not using it as much as I w- would hope to be. And now that I have a little one, it's like, wait a minute, am I going to have all these consoles out here and have her spill juice inside one of them? Because I know that's going to happen. <laughs> and so it's kind of a um, almost a necessity it's becoming. Um, so, you know, I, I've got my collection of games up in the shelves uh, up high now, just uh, just in preparation for, for, the, for the day that something gets destroyed. But uh, um I'm thinking. I'm thinking about uh, dropping it and and moving moving over and playing all of my uh, you know sixteen sixteen bit and past games uh, on a retro pie. And I don't know. I don't. I'm still wavering on it. Um, but I feel like it's the right move. Um, growing up and having a kid and, and being an adult is is the worst thing ever. Have <laughs> no, to sell all your things. <laughs> What would make you so the retro pie would obviously be an all emulation um solution. What about something right. like the Retron well, five where you use real games but it's still emulation? Or yeah, the opposite of uh, you, of using flashcards. And this is what's stopping me from doing it and pulling the trigger is I am uh, I am so keen on what I like. If I put in one of my old favorite games, if it's a PS one game, if it's if it's a, uh, a you know a sixteen bit game, if it's something, if uh, NES games in particular, if the sound isn't right, I know, and it drives me crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and then you're getting into you know when you get into like PlayStation two and in that generation in particular, the emulation emulation for that stuff is isn't that good. Uh, and then they do a lot of like, once you get into polygonal, uh, the realm of polygons, a lot of the emulators are like, well, I can display 10 times as many polygons. So, or not polygons, but, uh, pixels. Yeah. Resolution. Right. And so the resolution, uh, and what the developer intended for you to see, or at least what the limitations they were working around and what the emulator can give you, you know, you're, you're, 
I'm always writing that line of, I want the scan lines, you know, I want, I want it to look as much like it used to, but I, I do want to play it on the bigger, the bigger screen and, and that kind of thing. And so I'm happy with the emulation with regards to the, the, most of the cartridge systems. It's just, um, it is when I'm getting into and I want to pop in a, a PS1 game and, and play something on there and, and I, those games are serviced a lot by scan lines, especially PS1. They're grainy textures and, and uh, you know, dealing with 320 pixels or whatever it was that mm-hmm. they they had. Having that, that those pairs of uh, extra lines on there just helps sell it a lot better. Um, and that's really keeping me from, from completely dropping it. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you with... Uh, I know what you're kind of hitting on there and, and the quality of the emulation is something that, that is concerning to me for sure. Um, I don't know. It's something I'll, I'll, I'll continue to think about and maybe I'll, I'll throw it to the audience and, and see what, what they would do in, in the, in the situation. But, uh, for me, um, it's always, once it's gone, it's probably never coming back. Mm-hmm. Like if I, I just inventoried my Genesis collection. So I think I have 45 Genesis games. So there's some good ones in there too. Castlevania Bloodlines, Contra Hardcore, Gunstar Heroes. Like if I sell those, I will probably never be able to buy them again. Right. The prices, uh, the prices have uh, the, climbed the, so much. Yeah. The prices they are now is beyond what I would pay for those games. So I know if I sold them, I will just never own them ever again. That's what yeah. always, that's what stops me. Um, I was just watching a review of the Retron N, the the Hyperkin NES clone, and uh, you know, and, and you can hear the the sound is off on the uh, just even playing Super Mario Brothers and grabbing you know coins or hitting the the coin blocks just doesn't sound quite right, and right. it's just like you know, ninety nine times out of a hundred, I probably just wouldn't care. And then obviously, you know, if you're talking Super Mario Brothers, that's an easy game to reacquire. But for some other games, eh, yeah, it's, it's close. I don't know. I guess uh, what I was more getting at is, you know, the the different lines between the full hardware and the full emulation. Obviously, there's a few stops in between. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the other thing, too, is um, you're abandoning original <clears throat> controllers. Um, yeah. Yeah. Those yes. awesome Sega D pads. <laughs> there, there is that. I mean, and and uh, like again, when you get into the to the to the generation that starts to introduce uh, 3D graphics, uh, um, there are some weird controllers. I've always wanted to try that. I, I think it's an. Um, I mean, I can't remember the company, but there's that weird twisty analog controller that came out before the PS1 had analog th- uh, sticks. The um, Namco Negacon, I believe. Yeah, that's the one. That's the only game, the only controller that'll let you play Wipeout and Wipeout Excel with analog controls mm-hmm. on the uh, on the console hardware. And so I've always wanted to try that with with that weird twisty. I, was, I must own some PlayStation game that supports that because I was just looking at those on eBay like a couple months ago, and I think there are still only like thirty five bucks. Mm-hmm. They're not insane. No, and it's such a weird <laughs> thing, you know. Um, but yeah, that's that's uh, you 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 lose that, um, and you can buy you know you can buy those. Uh, 
uh, eight bit does and and but th- but that's the thing is like okay so I guess that's another math problem I could work out is okay if I sell then if I sell the frame master <laughs> right exactly um, because I, honestly there's nothing that quite. It, even with the controllers, you can feel like with the SNES. If I feel any of the other uh, remakes of them or whatever you want to call them, um, the the impersonations of them, they're just not. They're not the same. Um, the knockoffs. Yeah, exactly. It's it. They try. They try really hard. Um, but I mean, it's really. Even when I say it's not the same, it's not the same as when I first got an NES controller and the pads were clean and the but the capacitors or whatever you want to whatever they are underneath the the silicone padding the and stuff when it was pads. yeah when they're nice and tight you know and all, and they haven't been worn out and so I guess there's there's no going back um, but the the I guess the preservationist in me as far as the experience. Um, uh, you know, there uh, with the with the PS1 emulation and the PS2 emulation, I can hear a lot of uh, even on the soundtracks. If it's not CD audio, something about the decompression that's happening on it doesn't sound the same as what you would hear on the the actual hardware, and so it kind of throws me out of it. Um, and that's, that's really what's, what's stopping me from it. Um, nice. they're still producing frame meisters, right? Uh, I believe as we record this, they are still being made or there are still some in a warehouse. I'm not entirely sure. I think they're still being made. Yeah. I really but- wish somebody in the U S would jump on, on that and, uh, offer a, a cheaper alternative. Well, there's um, the, there's the open source scan converter. Which is yeah. about two hundred bucks. Oh, that's true. But it's not the same thing as a frame meister. I can't wait to get that, and then I'll I'll spend a whole episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll spend hours talking about the OSSC. And and honestly, f- frankly, so I've I've been waiting for somebody with your uh, rigor of uh, you know wanting that that pixel perfect image to to. to get one of the one of those and, and talk about it um because before i even knew the frame meister existed i was looking into to one of those nice um so i'll I'm, I'm really excited about about when that happens me too and i just have to keep waiting <laughs> <laughs> all right let's go ahead and move on to the news indeed should yeah. i go first yeah <laughs> all right so that was my this segue. is <laughs> i should have it's like volleyball uh, and it's perfect setup. And then I, I jump uh, late. Um, <laughs> uh, so this, I have a feeling is going to turn out to be bupkis, yep. but I saw this and I got really excited uh, because, okay. So midnight club reboots might be happening. There was somebody on Reddit who had leaked uh, supposedly uh, uh, some screenshots um, from from an Xbox uh, um, dev profile, and I'm a little iffy on on the actual validity of these. The more I I look at them and think about them, but uh, I played the Midnight Club two and I loved it to death. Um, the gameplay reminds me a lot of uh, um, like the cruising games. Okay, like um, cruising world, cruising. USA. Yeah, except more open and. Um, 
but the sensation of speed and the slippery, the the sort of slidiness of it, and the completely unrealistic arcadiness of it all uh, was in was in that game, and um, it was in perpetual nighttime. Midnight so everything club. Could be, exactly. <laughs> so everything could be neon, and you could have the blurring uh, lights and stuff that uh, uh, is kind of synonymous with sort of the tuner racing games. Yeah, um, of that era. But, yeah, but it, it had this cornball to it uh, that I really appreciated too. And so it got me really excited to, that maybe that, that would be coming back. And so, um, fingers crossed. I mean, Rockstar's got... Uh, we know Red Dead's coming out. Um, but not much else known on the docket. And, and it would be nice if they just uh, did something other than another GTA. Yeah. And so uh, I'm I'm uh, kind of weirdly excited about that. And it's, it's purely fueled from nostalgia. I but. think I've played Midnight Club 2 on an Xbox demo disc back in the day. But mm-hmm. it, that would be it. I don't really remember it. Yeah. It, it, it had almost an open world flavor to it, but it's... It was just a lot of fun. The 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 feel of the driving, and it was just next next race, next race, next race. For some reason, because you're just weaving in and out of the city, and and something about it just really it was really appealing. Really clicked. Um, yeah, and it wasn't it wasn't about <clears throat> like with the Sims, like you know your your um, Gran Turismo and stuff. It's all yeah. about mastering the car, mastering the course. Uh, and then, you know, tuning and, and stuff like that. But this, this wasn't like that at all. It was just, it was just about beating the other driver or other racers and, and, uh, just going on to the next, next, uh, next race and just really satisfying gaming loop. So hopefully that is, uh, a real thing. Nice. Yeah. Um, and then I, I'd caught this about the, the Genesis flashback. Um, reviews. Are you familiar with the company that that's making the flashback? At Games, who have spent the last fifteen years destroying the Sega Genesis hardware <laughs> name. <laughs> Those guys. I've owned one At Games Genesis clone. It was. It's in the shape of a Sonic head, and uh, it actually has an SD card slot. So that's why I got it. And mm. I put Musha on my SD card. I played Musha, and then uh, then I sold the the system because the sound was so freaking terrible yeah so that's uh that's pretty much uh it sounds like what, what they've been doing for the last 10 yeah 15 years. this was this was <laughs> the, the one with hdmi and and uh yeah it's, it just sounds like uh there there's not much to talk about with this that that probably hasn't already been it said. got terrible reviews the the, yeah. the genesis flashback got bad reviews and then they had a silly response yeah, which was pretty much uh whoops, we we sent out the wrong uh, firmware version for the uh for the hardware. What they meant to say was whoops, we shouldldn't have let you review these because they're just <laughs> as crappy as everything else we made. Have you ever played an at games anything? Uh I yeah, um okay. I got one from a from the swap meet I was talking about earlier. Was um, it bad? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I that just it doesn't even I I don't understand the story to me isn't so much at games because if you've been playing at games clones for a while you know they don't really make quality Genesis clones I have to assume they must make other things and maybe they're not so awful um, but it shouldn't be a surprise that you know they're 
still producing right. garbage. The story right. to me is why does Sega keep licensing their name on this these stupid products? Like they they're trying to come back. They want Sonic to be a pop star icon again and all of this, but silly things like this to me continue to paint Sega as like that second class citizen to Nintendo who just puts out quality, you know, uh all NES I can think, hardware. you know, what you had said about your theory about the SNES Classic and, and getting their IP out there so that they can retain the the rights to it um, and sort of refreshing. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, that could certainly be a part of it. I, I think more and more that that might that might be part of the equation. But I, you're right. It's sort of an, a non... The, the news... The, the real thing about this is that Nintendo was so successful with their classics... Uh, and and I'm saying that even before the SNES comes out, that 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 the bar up, has been raised. Yeah, it pushed that up, and so uh, at at games, whether they knew it or not, were riding that wave, and uh, they wiped out because uh, they. I don't know that they were expecting to receive the coverage that they got. And, uh, um, if, if, uh, if this was a, if this was something that they messed up on, they, man, they really, really picked the, the wrong time to do that. Um, <laughs> but like, as you're saying, their, their, uh, reputation, uh, precedes them yes. in, in some regards. So <laughs> that's that story. That's that story. Don't buy an yep. games Genesis clone. <laughs> like no matter how appealing it looks no matter if it has an sd card slot no matter if it's a handheld with a screen just don't give that company your money (laughs) (laughs) all right so this is something i wouldn't normally cover but it's been kind of a slow news week because i'm not that interested and you're not that interested in the drama aspect of it and that is 100 the first 120 episodes of the completionist are going to be deleted next month on september 1st yeah. Um are you a fan of the completionist? Um well, I appreciate what he he's doing and um I I don't know why the when comedy is interjected into um the video game stuff, it's hit or miss for me. Yeah, for sure. And um uh he seems like a a great guy. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I, I love his, his, uh, work ethic and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm not too, I'm just being totally honest. I'm not too much of a fan of the formats of the videos in particular, but, but, uh, I do, I do watch if it's a game I'm interested in that I haven't played before, even though he's basically going to spoil the whole thing. I'll, 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 I'll watch him. Um, but um, I'm yeah, like I mean, you. When it was newer, I watched probably half of them, and then kind of as time went on, maybe a ten percent. Like if uh, if it's a classic game or something I'm interested in, then I'll watch it. But I, I definitely don't watch every one. Right. Um. And and that you know he's he's uh, he's just uh, good to his fans and and has a a, a connection with them. Um, you but, know what he is? He's authentic. When he talks, you believe what he is saying. Right. And I wish I could say that for more channels that I watch, where when I watch them talk, I just feel like they're either talking out of their ass, or they're trying to pander me, or they're trying to be you know, some sort of retro gaming hipster. Uh, I hate that. But when you watch Gerard, it, 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 he's very genuine, and, and I think that's why he's got so much success. 
Yeah. Well, and you got to respect, I mean, uh, some of these games that he's he's beating on a weekly basis are <laughs> Well, I don't enormous. think he's beat Rayman, so... Uh. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You got to throw the gauntlet down on that one. But it's like um, what you said earlier. It's a lot easier to trust somebody's opinion when you've know, you know, when you know they beat the game or when you've known, when you know they beat the game multiple times, or in his case, when he put 120 hours into some impossible task, like... You know what he's saying <laughs> is not yeah. made up. It's real. It's genuine. It's authentic. Yeah, back in the back in the nineties, the term was hardcore. Like in the magazines, it would be like you're a hardcore gamer if X Y Z. If you beat Metal Gear Solid in three hours, or <laughs> exactly. Whatever the time so frame is. <laughs> he che- he he checks off that box of nineties uh, uh, hardcore, whatever you want to call it. Um, but yeah, so he'll he'll be deleting uh, the 120 episodes that included. Um, Greg Wilmot. Uh, yeah. And uh, it's out of respect for a request that he made. And so those are going bye-bye. And uh, it's it's uh, it, it sounds like it, she just wants to bury the hatchet on that and, and start fresh. And he'll be essentially replaying all of those games again uh, and redoing all the videos from them from scratch. Uh, I would have myself, being how pragmatic I am... Uh, probably been archiving all of the edits and then just gone through and completely changed the videos <laughs> and not replayed the games but um i have uh, thought because i still eh, not for all of my videos anymore i'm not that big into just saving all that crap it just doesn't matter to me but there's been times where i'm like man knowing what i know about audio now i could probably remaster some of these old videos and then i'm like but they were bad and why would i do that but (laughs) i i had i used to have like a very i am not going to ever review the same game twice and that's i just threw that by the wayside that's silly Mm, I'm yeah. looking forward to seeing Sonic 06 a second time. I don't know why, just because it's such an iconically easy to make fun of game. But I, I always, I, if I was the person, I couldn't imagine wanting myself to basically be removed from the internet. I don't know what you know Greg's life is outside of YouTube or outside of video games, or or maybe he's just you know he was. I just couldn't imagine wanting myself to disappear. Like if I ever stop doing the implant games, YouTube channel, I'll just leave them there. There's no, (laughs) there's no incentive for me to just be wiped off the face of the internet. Yeah. Um, it is, uh, you know, in the notes we had, we had put, uh, retro Liberty Mm -hmm. as well, which was, uh, um, I think that that happened during my hiatus sometime between January and July. Yeah. And, um, uh, I, I actually, um, had spoken with Aaron, uh, a few times, um, while he was still making the videos and, and, um, you know, uh, was working on, a on the Retro Liberty website when, when this stuff happened. And, uh, it just sounds, it, I think for some people, and I think maybe, maybe the perspective changes once you start to become, well-known or internet famous or whatever you want to call it. Um, but sometimes the, I, I wonder if people get so connected to the, 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 uh, the loop that you have to be in to be in touch with everyone that, that likes your work. And as you grow, 
and not learning when you should draw some lines and, and, uh, you know, uh, with your own personal life and your own time and that kind of stuff where it gets to be so much that you just want it to go away. Um, becomes a burden. Yeah. Either Um, on his personal, personal burden or I, I, if I had to guess with them, I would assume I, and this is just like a total guess and it's not even my place to say, I would have to assume it was like, you know, a a problem with the wife. Like, look, man, you got to stop this or (laughs) this is the ship's going down. Yeah. Um, I mean, you've, yeah, you've got kids and and that kind of thing. And, and, uh, so, so that it, it makes me really, so, I mean, when somebody produces something and other people consume it, you know, if it was, if it was aired on TV, somebody will have put a tape in and recorded it. Mm -hmm. Um, if it's a piece of music and it aired on the radio, somebody, you know, there's a copy of it. And I really wonder if, you know, if YouTube's never going to disappear, but if they, um, you know, if you produce your work and put it somewhere that's not a YouTube and it, and, and that site goes away, that that history is gone and and it does happen quite a bit on on youtube where they uh the channel will just um you know Delete. it'll get it well yeah or they made a a of what made them famous series of videos before youtube had its algorithms to detect musical content and stuff like that they all get flagged and removed you know um that that kind of thing happens and so it I, I I have thought about this in the past. Are we in some sort of internet dark age where a lot of this stuff will build our memories of our lives and things like that? But when we want to go back and maybe look at some of this stuff, it just won't even exist um, because of the the shape of things in, in the future. And uh, you know, uh, some of this is cultural building things, and they can just disappear overnight. And that's just really weird to me. Um, I think uh, I don't remember his name, but I believe his handle was uh, was Jubario. Yeah, like when he passed, and just YouTube is now a decade old, and uh, you know th- those first few years, everything kind of remains the same. But as time goes on, things change. Well, Channels, yeah. you know, people go away. Channels well, go yeah. away, and and he passes, and let's say YouTube in the future changes its policy if you're not active during a certain time yeah. frame you know, do those videos wipe out for whatever reason? Maybe, maybe there's a, who knows what it is. Um, the claimant starts giving bad copyright strikes and nobody's there to defend them. Exactly. Or, or the new, yeah, the, uh, the new, um, community oversight, guidelines. Yeah. The new, and the new, uh, <laughs> voluntary, um, sort of, uh, uh, enforcement of, uh, um, which, there's no word for it. Moderator, yeah. I don't know. Volunteer moderators. Yeah. The, yeah. But <laughs> they come by and just, uh, you know, explode the, the channel and, and there's no one there to protect it. Um, these, yeah, it's, it's a really interesting time to, to be, to be alive with this stuff. But, uh, I do, it is kind of uh, bothersome to me cause, uh, it, it does. I, I really did try to get his, the, in retro Liberty in particular, I tried, I was like, okay, well, where can we find the the last of the videos? And um, most of the Retro Liberty stuff is on Daily Motion, um, the early stuff. Yeah. But the, near the end, that that's unrecoverable unless somebody else had had downloaded them. So it's, I'm gonna it, guess because 
At various times, people will ask me, I really want to download like the old podcast episodes. I, I think the ones that are not online, it's like, I don't know, episodes 10 through 40 or some we- something weird like that. So I have to... People do want that, and I assume they want them to save them. I'm not... I don't quite know how that works, but I would have to assume that there were a couple of, you know, the digital hoarders. Let's just, you know, that you know, got an app and downloaded all of those and they exist somewhere. But, you know, if it's not on archive.org, they're just sort of gone. Yeah. I don't know. But you have the last thing you have here is digital mortality, or I don't think I wrote that. But I always kind of looked at YouTube as like, let's say, you know, in a couple of years, things don't pan out and um, things don't pan out and I just sort of leave. You know, I always kind of assumed, well, you know, that weird five year period of my life will live on the Internet forever. And maybe that's not true. Yeah, it's, you know, nothing, nothing's forever, but especially with the with with digital and, and the way that uh, things can be gone in, in a flash. Uh, I don't I don't know. It, it, um, archive.org is not capable of downloading the what is it like 30 hours of youtube a minute oh my god nobody can it's almost facebook maybe (laughs) exactly (laughs) um it is that's that's the part of the story that interests me it sucks that you know two friends had a falling out and you know that's that's pretty crappy um i haven't really had too many falling outs with friends in my days um but maybe family i guess i've you know had some epic blowouts with and you know that kind of sucks and and to have that public life and all that be there but then after you've kind of made it through all of that, then like the final chapter is, well, I'm deleting 122 episodes of something that, I mean, that's, that's two and a half years of his life. That's, that's just, that's so crazy to me. I couldn't imagine being forced in that situation. The perfect example I can think of is there was an NBC show called Journeyman and I loved it and it was really (laughs) cheesy and it was basically a modern day spin on, um, quantum leap but it was with time travel instead uh which i guess quantum leap kind of was but it was that was body hopping um and and uh i purchased a few episodes on amazon because i had missed when they had aired and i wanted to stay up up with it uh this was 2007 i think the very first iphone they had actually cgi'd the screen on because they didn't know exactly what it was going to look like in the in the episodes um but uh i can't watch that I I didn't buy all of the episodes, so I only have like, you know, three, seven and something else, and it's not available for streaming anywhere, and it never came out on DVD. It does not exist as far as any of that's concerned. (laughs) There is the, you know, there is the route. I can go with with torrenting and and finding it that way, but... I I did try, I did try to drag it down that way, but nobody nobody has any HD because uh, this was like kind of when everything was just starting to become yeah. high definition, and so it's just it's just sort of gone, and it's just that that whole th- concept is really just you will straight. never be able to go into a used media store you know, a decade <laughs> from now and find it. It is just there. It is gone. It, it's just gone. Yeah, but right. uh, anyways, like, we should move on, but. Yeah, it's just interesting to me. 
I, yeah, I, it's, that's the part that, yeah. Alrighty. Hyperkin announces the Super <laughs> Retron NHT. Super, of course, meaning Super Nintendo. This actually was just announced, I think, a couple of days ago. So this is going to be like their Retron N. This is the Super Nintendo Retron N. And uh, I think they're expecting it to be on sale around the same time as the um, Super Nintendo Classic Edition. Yeah, 720p, that's the right ratio, right, for a... Uh, yeah, that that's, bl- that's what you want for anything that's <clears throat> 240p, so Super Nintendo, NES, yeah, PC so Engine, because that- it triples into 720. 240 yeah. times 3 is 720, and then you let your TV take it the rest of the way, and if you're sitting far enough away, you'll never know the difference anyway. Um, but yeah, I find it fascinating. I feel like Hyperkin this year has like, been on a roll. Yeah, um, they're definitely, their presentation and their image, uh, their professionalism, I don't, I don't know what to call it exactly, but... They have a good reputation. It's not like yeah. Mad Cats in 1998, where you wouldn't <laughs> touch them with a 10-foot pole. No, and, and uh, I have a lot of respect for them, because, you know, starting from the ground up and, and dealing with the manufacturing process with a, with a foreign country and all the stuff that they have to do in order to even produce these things, uh, they seem to, after every go at it, be getting Get better. Yeah, they're, they're getting better at it. Um, so along the lines, I, I did get the, uh, the Hyperkin... Uh, Super Nintendo mouse, but of course I'm not using my Super Nintendo, so I don't have much to say other than the mouse is like 70 or about 50% bigger than the original, which is cool, but it does actually feel like a quality piece of plastic. Yeah, and it's uh, it's not a rollerball, right? The, uh, and it is definitely a optical or laser mouse, 100% for sure. But I think yeah. once Hyperkin is like one of the few companies we've seen now a couple of FPGA consoles with the uh, with the analog NT Mini and the retro USB and uh, there's an FPGA uh, chip in the um, that's the basis of the OSSC the open source scan converter uh, this is the basis of most of the HDMI mods you see for old retro consoles um, Metal Jesus just made a video for an HDMI adapter for the game. GameCube with digital yeah. out, which kind of blew me away, and we'll have to talk about that another time. I would assume that's a similar situation. I would love to see what would happen if a large company, or you know, large in respect to everybody else, like Hyperkin, got their engineers working with one of those chipsets. It would be amazing what they could produce. Yeah, uh, I, I, go yeah. Go ahead. I'm gonna I let you nothing. Go. <laughs> <laughs> like a Retron Five that was actually a hardware clone instead of emulation. That would be, that would make you sell your frame maestro. I'm sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I um, I, I I don't know. I I this this really does excite me because um hard hardware. For me, hardware is the way to go with this stuff, and I I am really excited if they're going to dip their toes into the CD realm at the some point. The Hyperkin PlayStation? Oh, who knows, man? <laughs> I mean, you just need a laser. You need uh, you know, you need one or two different kinds of lasers, and uh, the the whole world of uh, any of the CD based media changes. Uh, yeah, it's it opens up possibly, you know, depending on once once a lot of the the ch- you know the cell phone market is pushing forward the 
the on the hardware side as far as like the the processing power needed to be able to make something like that happen uh the arm processor is continuously getting faster and faster and and still you know low power and and all that kind of stuff and and uh that would be a huge leap for them to do something like that i hadn't thought of that but that would be neat yeah so i just um i do i i have a lot of a lot of respect for what they're doing because you can if you have their hardware and you just put it in chronological order of release it is continuously getting better yeah um and so yeah perfect next uh next product announcement was the 8-bit do or 8-bit do nes30 arcade stick this is a bluetooth arcade stick for uh they're advertising it as mainly for the switch which has a lot of fighting games and neo geo ports um but what excites me about this it's $80. That doesn't excite me. What excites me about this <laughs> is it would work on an NES because they sell a Bluetooth receiver for the original NES that works with all of their controllers. And I am a yeah. huge fan of uh, some of the NES shmups. Uh, you got your Stinger, you got your Image Fight, you've got your uh, your Salamander, um, and that would be pretty rad to play that with a real arcade stick. Is it weighted? That's my question. It I looks have like no it. Idea. It looks like it would be um, <laughs> a big, thick metal bottom. Yeah. Oh, well, here we for go. eighty dollars. It should. I need be. to do the math. It's in. Uh, it's in the crazy uh, European uh, weight measurements here. Okay. So three pounds. Three pounds. Right. Okay. So, so it's like a normal what you like a hoary stick. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's uh, that's in my my wheelhouse. So they advertise it as Switch, Android, Mac, and Windows, and it's got a USB cable so you can plug it into your PC um, or whatever. Eh, But for me, what's exciting is that it works with the retro receiver, and Mm -hmm. I am sure some solutions exist for having a proper arcade stick for the NES, but to me, this is the first one I've really noticed or that I'd actually want to put my money on. Yeah, they make, uh, I mean, we were just talking about quality, but they, they make really, uh, really decent hardware as far as, uh, the controllers are concerned. And so this looks pretty dope. (laughs) I I have to say it's got the turbo fire stuff, right. And and all that. It's got the NES design cues. Yeah. Yeah. It's really buttons. If you want your Sanwa or whatever they're called, uh, buttons. Yeah. It's all Um, there. I may, uh, this, uh, yeah, this looks really cool. But like you said, the price is a little bit, uh, out of my, uh, my, my range. So, <laughs> well, if you sell the Frame Meister, exactly. This is the money. weights. This is what the does weights. a Frame Meister go for used these days? Do you know? Uh, no, I haven't actually looked it up. Um, but I'm, I, it's, it's, I think it's pretty pair. The parody is pretty high with its asking price. Um, new yeah that's probably uh, around 500 or more yeah and it's yeah um so but that's that is a very nice arcade stick i've got to say i agree yeah i want it for my nes <laughs> all right moving past the news is something else i wouldn't usually talk about and now that we're at uh, the hour mark we probably shouldn't but i'm just gonna move ahead and this is kind of the click bicky 
the clickbicky, the clickbaity <laughs> topic of our YouTubers ruining retro gaming. And uh, I would normally just keep on scrolling, but I saw a really funny response on Atari Age, and it made me laugh. And uh, I wish I had wrote down the guy's name, but he said, the folks raising the price of games, are you folks buying them? Yep. And I absolutely love that because it is so perfect. <laughs> <laughs> if nobody bought them then the prices would go down and if you want them that desire to want those games is what makes the price go up it's the folks buying them yeah now um, the word i want to put in the word that bothers me is ruining are youtubers increasing the value of certain games of course absolutely is that ruining games that's that's a little ridiculous for me yeah, it's games are fun. Uh, old games are fun. Remembering old games are, are fun. Um, what what people are are trying to say is you're making the price go up, and I can't get all my fun real cheap. And and uh, I think what this does is uh, YouTubers talking about old games, people talking about old games, everyone getting excited about old games is good for old games. Because if it's not in people's consciousness, it's not something that is worth selling on eBay. It goes into a trash can and into a landfill. There you go. So um, you you want a demand for this. You you want to be thankful that something like eBay even exists, so that somebody in Nowheresville uh, is somebody able to somebody in Wisconsin. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> but no, somebody in in a town where nobody gives a crap about that stuff can still take it onto eBay and find somebody else uh, who loves watching these e eBay or uh, YouTube videos and getting excited about this stuff and wants to buy them. Um, the, <clears throat> the other angle is, you know, you're bringing in, you're getting people who want to pay these high prices potentially are the archivists are the people that are going to take good care of these things and keep them a long time. A lot of collectors uh, trade amongst each other. They, they want to make sure that their, that their games go to a good home is a term that they would use. Um, you know, this, this brings it into the consciousness of, of preservationists. There's a, a gentleman's name who I can't think of right now, who's <clears throat> essentially taken it on his life's quest to make sure that he's collecting original doc documentations and, and, uh, a lot of these games that in the PC realm are experiencing kind of what I was talking about with YouTube videos where they are just literally just disappearing and ceasing to exist. And it's just like film in its early days. Um, a good movie to watch that kind of touches on this is Hugo. Uh, it's, it, it's a, you know, this, this stuff will disappear if someone's not there to care for it. Uh, and it's part of our history. It shaped people's minds and, and, and the people who contributed to, to video games after the first generation uh, of, of gaming. And so um, this is all a good thing. It sucks that the prices go up if you just love playing these old games, um, you know, from from the perspective of having the cartridge and, and being able to hold it and and slide it into the co console and, and all that kind of stuff. But I, I don't think at all that it's necessarily a, a bad thing. Um 
I I think the 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 rage kind of I think it's always important to remember that I, I don't know it's a clickbait video. <laughs> well, and and the people that engage in that uh, that that conversation, yes. I think are younger. I want to believe they're younger, um, but you know we've talked about Atari age and how you know, that kind of venue only is really, uh, appealing to certain age groups. And so, um, but I want to believe that the, the, the raw, the rabble rabble rousers are, are on the younger end of the spectrum. Um, I, I would hope, uh, this is, this is something that's never going to go away and this will start to happen with, uh, your, your PlayStation twos and, and your Xbox games, uh, very soon. Once everyone, uh, it starts to become that thing that people want to dip into and remember. And that the realization comes that this stuff is disappearing, especially because it's CD media and it's so prone to, to damage, uh, you know, even, you know, the sales numbers might be slightly higher for this or that, but, but these things, Get stepped out, on and they're yeah, over. Multiple, uh, uh, a game, a single game, a single skew might have multiple discs. Do all the discs exist for the one that, you know, it's being sold? The, those kinds of things, uh, really, really start to affect the, the supply and demand side of it. And, uh, sorry, I kind of went on a little rant there, but, um, <laughs> I think, I think it's, it's, uh, you want no. this, you want, you want people to be excited about this stuff. So, so um, YouTubers are not ruining retro gaming. YouTubers no. are preserving retro gaming. They are keeping the torch alive. And um, if it's an issue with price, there is always something cheap to collect that is good. Always. Yeah. So the days of cheap NES and Genesis games are over. Just move on. I find cheap $5 gems all the time, and it's fantastic. Exactly. Alrighty. So we were going to pick uh, something to stream, and I, th- I keep meaning to rewatch um, the Bill Finger documentary on Hulu. He was mm. the one that uh, co-created Batman and never got credit for it until a few years ago, but we kind of decided to go a different way this episode and pick some anti-streaming picks. <laughs> And this was brought on uh, every now and again. I will still find some laser discs and buy them. <clears throat> so, my only place right now for buying laser discs is half price books, which I think are everywhere. I don't know if there's one by you, but I think it's a nationwide chain. I've never heard of it. I don't so know. So it if might they're... be maybe they're just making their way west, or yeah, I, I don't know. There's they're on the east coast. There's one where I live, um, but they're the they still buy old media, not just records. Lots of places buy records these days, but they actually still buy laser discs. They used to be a bit cheaper. Now they seem to be going up in price for some reason. Um, but I bought Alien, Aliens, and Star Wars Episode Six: Return of the Jedi, the 2005 edition, before the the last one before for the special edition nice so alien uh, i think was made in the 70s 77 78 somewhere in there and uh i still think that one holds up remarkably well 
And when I was watching it, what I noticed the most kind of amazing is the pacing of the movie. And I know everyone will say, well, it's a horror movie and that's really what it is and blah, blah, blah. But there is something very, there's something much more to it um, than just like, a you know, oh, it's just a horror movie with aliens. They actually create some really amazing suspense with how they, you know, how that movie moves along. And I, th- I think it's just brilliant. You know, it reminds me a lot of um, Japanese filmmaking in uh, the um, like the '60s and the '70s, which Mm -hmm. would make make sense. But um, yeah, there's there's a lot of moments where there's like kind of he lets it ride, he lets it linger. Yeah, and so you're left alone with your thoughts, thinking. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And and uh, I think I think that's something that that film manages really well. Um, but I, I agree the pacing is, is really good on that. And I know that a lot of the film was left on the cutting room floor from some of the behind the scenes, uh, stuff that I've, uh, watched with, with regards to it. There is a longer director's cut, but again, it, it seems to mess with the pacing of the, of them or not. I don't know that it's a director's cut necessarily, but I, I know, know there's a, there's a longer version of the film and I feel like it's not as good, good as, as the the cut that was on uh, for theater. It's funny you say that because when I watch it on Blu-ray, I always just watch the extended cut. But obviously, the laser disc is the theatrical cut. Mm. Yeah. Already, Aliens. Of course, the sequel I found not as good. Still a good movie, but a little. It had a lot more of that kind of '80s something to it. Yeah. Well, and this was the. Uh, it's funny if you watch this movie now having seen a lot of sci-fi and then seen aliens after all that the marines in space trope uh <laughs> it it feels worn if you come back and watch aliens but that this was it this was the the birthplace of that really um space it, marines born space marines. 1981 84 i'm not sure yeah that that I still remember that uh, pull up scene with the with the girl, uh, man I can't even remember the characters' names or anything. Vasquez. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny because off topic, sort of on topic. I we also watched over the last two weeks Terminator and Terminator Two, and the mother in Terminator Two, John Connor's uh, foster mother. Yeah. Is Vasquez from Aliens? Really, it's the same actress. And oh man, her else? hair is totally different. Oh yeah, I'm like, no, Vasquez had a different look, and this girl's like a suburban <laughs> white mom. This doesn't yeah. match. But no, it's the same person. <laughs> and then even weirder is we were watching the first Terminator, and there was uh, there's a scene early on when Arnold needs to get his clothes, and he comes up to these three teenagers. And one of the teenagers says something, and I'm like, I think that's Bill Paxton. And sure enough. Bill Paxton. <laughs> That's the as opening like a nineteen-year-old boy, and I'm like, <laughs> and I picked it out just from the voice. And then he, of course, is in Aliens as well. So it was just sort of funny, like watching these two iconic series, Aliens and and the Terminator, and kind of seeing the crossover of characters. That's crazy. Yeah, it was he very was weird. He was one of those. Was he was like a punk rocker? I right? think he was called the lead punk in the yeah, credits. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Star Wars Episode Six: Return of the Jedi. I've seen this cut of the movie because this is the laser disc that was used for the DVD when they had the um, original theatrical releases as a second disc on a DVD. 
yeah. I think back in 2005, they just used the 95 laser disc. So I've already seen this cut of the movie, um, but I don't talk Star Wars a lot um, just because I don't <laughs> I know people hold it near and dear to their heart. But watching it again, I felt very disappointed when when uh, when Anakin is revealed. Really? Did you ever feel that way when he takes off the mask and it's just like this dying dude? And I'm like, man, he, he doesn't seem very like evil and badass. Um, I have a distinct memory of, uh, you know, I had seen Star Wars um, when I was very young and it didn't mean anything to me really mm-hmm. uh, as a kid, as far as the levity of what was going on. But I distinctly remember watching Return of the Jedi when I was um, like 11 or something. And my heart was pounding when Luke was uh, fighting Vader. Mm -hmm. Because it was like, it really did set up this good versus evil Mm -hmm. thing. And I, I, uh, I was into it. I was the right age and I was totally into it <laughs> at that, at that age. When I saw the mask come off, I was, um, here's this weak old man. And like, I just felt really sad for him at that point. Okay. Um, but yeah, it, it is totally this, um, it is very, very odd. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, and it's especially it's the that change in tone is especially now that that the the ending is completely different with the, with the uh, constant um, uh, changes fussing alterations uh, yeah <laughs> oh, where now the even the the ghost that you see at the end isn't even uh, him that guy anymore yeah yeah it's it's uh, it's sort of Young messed Anakin. up yeah. Um, but the the thing when you talk about Star Wars and you, you're seeing the closest to the theatrical cut as you could possibly get, but I mean he Lucas was changing the first Star Wars when it was still out in theaters. Mm-hmm. Like, it, um, his voice has changed from the original cut of seventy seven A New Hope between different territories. The mono and the surround sound mixes contain dip changes. Yeah, even in the, 1977, the opening crawl. I think he was messing with maybe the speed back then, or mm-hmm. his, something about that. Um, but uh, it's 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 weird. <laughs> you know, we're talking about digital preservation and stuff, and then we bring up Star Wars because it, it's like this weird amalgamation of people's idea of what version it's of Star that Wars emulated they PlayStation that's running <laughs> in too high of a exactly. resolution. Exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, I felt I as a kid, I felt really um, it, it just really threw me for a loop this week, week man. And uh, um, it kind of moved me as a kid. But it I yeah, it is it is jarring. I, I agree. I, I looked at my wife because we've probably together. We've probably seen it six or seven times and I've probably seen it on my own another six or seven times. And this was the first time. And I, I just look over, I'm like, they should have left his mask on. She's like, yeah. And that was all <laughs> we said. <laughs> yeah. What, what really threw me off was the voice and uh, that they didn't at least dub him with. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, I forget James, his name. James, yeah, Earl, James Jones. Earl Jones. Um, you know, he had this week. Yeah. It's just, it's an interesting, an interesting move. Um. Someday so, I'll have to, we'll watch them all and talk about them again. But like, I just, something about that scene during that viewing just struck me in a way it had not the last 12 times. Yeah. 
Uh, so my my anti-streaming pick isn't necessarily like it's it is a streaming anti-streaming pick. Um, I wanted to briefly bring up Plex. Uh, are you familiar with Plex at all? No, I didn't even see that, or I would have looked it up. All right. Okay. Plex. So it's not a movie. It's not. Um, so Plex is something that you would install on your computer. It's it's uh it has it runs as a server on on a computer that you would put it on, um and you can run it on an iPad, Android device. You can run it on your any of the modern consoles that can do like Netflix and Hulu and all that stuff. But what it is, is it's a personal, uh, collection organizer for your own movies. And so what I did when, when we knew we were having a kid, I started going through all my DVD collections and ripping them and then putting them on the Plex server. And I just wanted to get the word out about this. I think, you know, uh, a lot of people use this to, to pirate movies and have a place to be able to play them, but I'm, I'm actually using it for legit, uh, reasons. Um, but I found it incredibly useful to help remove a lot of clutter in my home. Cause, uh, I was surprised at how many movies I had collected over my lifetime, um, like physical copies. Mm-hmm. And so I've got those packed up in boxes and put up, put up, put away, um, but it's really helped me organize, um, that stuff. And, and, uh, I'm now even using it for my own personal, uh, videos that I'm taking of, of the family and stuff like that. And I'm able to share my library with family members so they can have Plex installed on their computer. That's not even on my home network and, and they can see that stuff. Um, and then the other thing that I'm using it for is you can plug in a device that will take, uh, over the air HD signal and record it as DVR. Um, and so, uh, it's just something I just wanted to kind of share for, uh, to say, you know, there is a way to, to have a library of movies and and stuff of, of your own and have all that wonderfulness that comes with the digital streaming, but have it be your own stuff. If you have a, a collection of, uh, um, physical copies of uh, movies and stuff and you want to get kind of organized with it, then uh, check out Plex. It's free unless you want to have the DVR stuff. Then you've got to do a monthly subscription or they have a lifetime pass or whatever. But definitely something to check out. And um, yeah, it's like your own personal Netflix, basically. There you go. Yeah. All right. A few couple questions. And I know these are aimed at me, but you have thoughts as well. Um, because you also have a YouTube channel, you've done YouTube videos, you've kind of gone through that rigmarole before. Uh, the first question comes from Angel Molina. I remember it was hard for you to review multiplayer components of games because you had no one to play with. Rambo for Master System is a good example. Since you have two regular hosts now, would Matthew be able to help with reviewing multiplayer modes? Um, the short answer is no. Me and Matthew live, I did the math on Google Maps, 2,204 <laughs> miles apart. however the route did take me through las vegas which i thought was interesting (laughs) Um, a stop at vegas is always a a good thing i guess so i do have a couple of people i could record two-player footage with um, but the problem for me is is that i don't the way i play games is not always very fun um, and that's because like we talked about at the beginning of the video, um, I'm playing through games multiple times. I'm beating games. Um, I don't really, <laughs> after I'm done with Rambo, I don't even really want to play 
you know, a second time and possibly put somebody through two or three hours of Rambo because I'm not going to talk about the multiplayer unless I know it up and down. And and that's something that's really changed with the YouTube, my YouTube channel as a whole is kind of switching from that casual five minute style to something much larger than that. And uh, I don't feel as comfortable in a video setting anyway, um, talking about a lot of these games unless I know it up and down. So like not talking about the Chow Garden and the Sonic Adventure games, for example, uh, until I become an expert at that, which wouldn't happen, I just don't want to talk about it. Same goes for the multiplayer. And I don't really want to, you know, go through the Sonic Adventure 2 multiplayer mode with somebody because um, I don't even want to do it by myself, let alone drag somebody else along for that because it is going to feel like work and not so much as fun. I don't know if that makes sense or if I just sound like an ass but that's that's kind of how it works for me yeah I mean really the only way I could see us ever doing anything like that would be a a more modern game or if it's possible to play uh over like the virtual console or something like that um but uh could you imagine like halo anniversary you know I mean that's I forget how long that campaign is right 12 hours like I don't know if you have 12 hours of your life. No, I, 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 I can't, (laughs) I can't do it. Um, besides the technical issues of, of trying to play the older games together. But, uh, yeah, no, that's, that's difficult for me right now in particular, but, um, yeah, you have such a rigorous, uh, review process, um, and, and hold yourself up to such a, a, uh, standard that, uh, I, I totally understand this. It just wouldn't be possible. Uh, it'd be a tiny footnote and it wouldn't, it wouldn't get its due. Mm-mm. Um, I've and only been able to, somebody would complain about it not being complete. Right. Because yeah, uh, uh, that's, uh, yeah, but, uh, <laughs> I, the only, I've only been able to review one game where I was able to play the multiplayer and I, I kind of felt the same way that you're talking about it. I, I, I wasn't able to give it a good enough shake. It didn't um, feel as like authentic. Yeah, and and that was uh, Beetle Adventure Racing, which has a mm-hmm. multiplayer mode, um, and uh, I I I felt like there was something we were missing about it because it seems lacking a lot, mm-hmm. um, and and so I just I cut it. I I didn't include it. It was fun yes. to to play with with everyone and remember what playing. Uh, four player split screen, 14, 14 <laughs> frames a second, and sixty four games was like CRT. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so the short answer is no. I will not be doing that with Matthew. He sounds like he's next to me, but he's not. The power <laughs> of the buggy, buggy Skype application, um, and then just as a general rule. You know, it would be somebody else would have to be as committed. And I I just couldn't even imagine trying to put somebody through that. Um, When I reviewed the Atari Jaguar, I did do um, a full playthrough of Raiden on the Jag. But I think that only takes like 45 minutes. And I was with somebody who was skilled in that game to begin with. And they did far better than me. And then like we even played a little bit of Atari carts. But like that, there's such a learning curve. Like, yeah, to have somebody have to spend a couple hours to learn that game before we could have a competent race just it's it's just yeah work. well in some of those games you're sharing uh the same lives bucket there you and, go uh, that can be <laughs> horrendous on like a contra i think maybe is one of them yeah uh whereas you've got somebody who's just sucking down 
the lives and uh and you're carrying them uh your impression of what it's like to play multiplayer could even change based on the, no, the skill of, yeah. of who you're playing with so good question yeah terrible answer but that is all i have <laughs> not what you wanted to hear probably <laughs> and then this one is another funny one are you ever going to do another thoughtless review or a retro face-off um so i have a few shows that i haven't really done with in a long time and this really does um one of them ties back to kind of that authenticity uh that i was saying before i don't really want to make a full video unless i know the video game inside and out so at some point in the future i will do more retro face-off videos um, and that includes um, the batman games the sunsoft batman games so i've beaten the genesis game i've beaten the game boy game and once i get my um, retro usb avs i will beat the nes game and then i will do a face-off with all three but not until i've beaten all games and then uh, i wrote aladdin down here as well but i already made that video so i don't know why i wrote it down um and then i also kind of noted here and maybe you could correct me matthew I, I still feel like the like the uh the comparison video still feels very unrepresented unrepresented on youtube as a whole which makes me want to uh, do it yeah no i i think you're right um and i find it when when uh i know it, it you're 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 right <laughs> so that's what makes you want to do it because there is no like you look at the completionist who play who completes video games right right 750,000 subscribers big deal there is no like comparison video guy of that same caliber no um i can it's there funny, are can... some good people that do comparison videos but i think it's not one that many people do well. No, I can only right now. But besides the ones I've seen of yours, and I'm probably thinking of of uh, there was an Earthworm Jim one. Did you do Earthworm Jim? Mm-mm. Okay, that's, been, there's a good one, Game versus Game, and then mm. there's uh, Joe Drilling who does same name, different game. Yeah, and I didn't know uh, until I saw that that the Genesis version of Earthworm Jim had a, a whole level that wasn't included in the SNES one. Um. Uh, so I, I don't, I think that's ripe for the, for the picking, mm-hmm. but I, let's see. <laughs> yeah. So there are some, I don't own Jaguar Rayman anymore. Um, but even if I did, I don't, I can't imagine playing that game for 10 more hours and then doing a video on it, <laughs> so, but that's Batman will be the next one. And, uh, I think jungle book on the super Nintendo is different than jungle book on the super or on the Genesis. So I can beat the Genesis one. No problem now. And so stuff like that, where I'm already halfway there, that's what I will probably do. Um, but I'm right now, I'm just sort of building up a massive library of completed playthroughs and tons of notes. So that's, some point in the future we'll get there so i have a question about um every every podcast episode i'm just going to chip away at your process for mm-hmm. making videos um do you keep the the capture footage uh and do you do you plan like say for a face-off i'm going to use this for a face-off later on so i'm going to keep this stuff so that i have it I... later on like for the game, <laughs> some of the, I keep all of the footage because I keep meaning to start a second YouTube channel where I could just dump this stuff off on. Mm-hmm. Um, what I will probably end up doing is just making a separate YouTube channel. I'll never advertise it and it will just be like the final level or the final boss of every game. 
just so that I can still earn on that footage that I've made. Um, because I find myself as I play through some of these games, searching for boss battle videos and things like that to try and figure out what the hell I'm supposed to do. And I'm yeah. like, well, if I'm doing this and this video has a hundred thousand views, why am I not also putting my video out there? Um, so part of it is that is just reusing the footage for second channel. A lot of it I'll do cutaways. Um, like most of my video reviews have three or four, other games mentioned in them not all of them but many of them um so like when i reviewed sonic adventure 2 for the dreamcast for example like i put in a shot of voodoo vince i put in a shot of crash bandicoot the wrath of cortex i put in a shot of sly cooper and the thievius raccoonus so i like to have that information available uh, whenever I want, whenever I review a Traveler's Tales games, obviously now they're most known for the Lego games, Lego Batman, Lego Star Wars, Lego Indiana Jones. Um, so I have some Lego Star Wars footage sitting around and I just always have it there for whenever I want it. It's always available to me. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, from a, uh, like, how are you handling the space? Um, I've got right now three external hard drives hooked up to the Mac. So one of them, my, my hard drive in my Mac died. Um, <laughs> so my Mac right now is running off a one or a four terabyte, uh, USB, USB 3.0 drive. And then I have four, I'm sorry, I have two, four terabyte drives coming out of, uh, the other two ports. Um, so those slowly fill up, um, late just recently, I kind of deleted a lot of old footage that is kind of garbage. Now the quality isn't up to my standards. And then I deleted all the podcast video as well. So like 30 episodes of, you know, me talking for an hour that freed up a lot of space, but eventually one of these will go into the closet where I have another one from the original videos and I'll get another four terabyte drive and just keep rotating them. And I'll always have like the two most recent ones for me that's a good that's a good uh yeah i i it's so funny i i've really struggled with that when i when i was so uh, doing uh the reviews a lot more often with space management um because i think yeah. just like you i was sort of obsessed with quality uh i remember i i would upload a video like 10 different ways when i was f- first starting to do the reviews to look at what youtube compression would add mm-hmm. to uh, and try to find the, the sweetest uh, spot. And well, I actually remember then, YouTube will take, they'll do an initial render. And then if you go look at the game two days, the video two days later, it's like night and day. Really? Mm-hmm. That might be, I, I remember when GameStack was just getting started, I was astonished at their quality of their videos. And I, I had messaged them on YouTube. Uh, and was like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, <laughs> how are you getting the, the, uh, Cause you know, they, they had a, like the frame meister and stuff like that. Um, no, he's got, they didn't get a frame meister till recently, but if you think when game sex started, which was probably 2011 or 2012, Joe works in like, he's a professional video editor. Mm. So much like, uh, Mark from CGR who edited, uh, film documentaries, they just happened to have all of this insanely high end production equipment and that's kind of what gave less so mark i don't think he tried as hard as uh joe but like joe 
um, in particular wanted the best looking footage possible now it's funny now too because you can go back and look at their early episodes and you can see like the greens in their sega genesis are all wrong they're like neon green instead of correct green or you'll see like the you know, whatever equipment they're using um, is like deinterlacing the 240p signal. And you can notice now, like, oh, wow, we've been spoiled with the Framemeister. Um, right. But like in its day, it was kind of amazing. Yeah. But like even it- my quality, my initial Framemeister videos compared to now, I record my footage at 720p 60 at uh, 20 megabits per second. And then uh, what I upload to YouTube is 720p 60 at 16 frames per, or 16 megabits per second. And that's only because that's the maximum iMovie will output. Otherwise, I would juice that up to probably 20. Mm. Um, but when you're feeding, you know, a 320 by 240 worth of picture data, you know, at a super high bit rate to YouTube, like it's it's going to look amazing. Yeah. Yeah. The. uh yeah, I'm just going to keep all keep uh learning your process cuz I'm honestly I'm I'm impressed uh it's so funny I'm on I'm on your podcast and I'm just like praising you. <laughs> I'm like oh glorious leader. But, no, uh, no, 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 it's uh but your process that that you're able to produce what you are and at the 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 speed frankly with just iMovie is is pretty impressive, I've got to say. Um I've always, I always wanted to get rid of iMovie, but there's something about like the limitations that force right. you to do things. It's like it's like playing Crash Bandicoot or playing Super Mario. Like there was some creativity coming out of the limitations. So instead of like wasting time on fancy cuts and things like that, or fancy cuts on fancy transitions and 3D and animation and all of that, like I can focus 100% of my effort on cuts, right. making sure that what's on the screen is exactly what I want on the screen. Do I want yeah. to zoom in? Do I want to zoom out? Do I want to do a slight Ken Burns? But it's always, the f- I can just focus on making sure what's on the screen is exactly what I'm talking about. And so in a way, not having all of those distractions kind of forces me to, to focus on other things to kind of get my point across. Yeah, it's it's kind of like a commercial drill. It's like, if you in, in the wrong hands, you're like, well, it just goes one speed. Um, but it's the best thrill ever. (laughs) And, and, uh, it's, it's like that for you, I think. Um, I, yeah, I wouldn't change anything unless Apple, uh, forces you to, if they, you know, change the software or something in a way where you're like, no, (laughs) but like there is the biggest limitation with iMovie is you can only do one or two video tracks at a time. So that right there limits you to some real basic picture in picture stuff. Um, You can also do tracking. So in some of my videos, I'll have an arrow move across the screen, Mm. Um, but that's really about as complicated as it can get. So if I'm feeling really ambitious, I'll have like, uh, you know, like in the last video I had Mario fade in and fade out. If I was feeling ambitious, I would have had him fade into the screen and then slide off the screen or something like that. But for the most part, I just don't even bother. I don't even yeah. think most people realize I use iMovie. I pretty much hide it as best as I can. I've ruined the uh, the the secret. Um, this is uh, oh, it's I'm, not a secret. I'm full of shame. <laughs> um, and then, uh, do you still have time? Yeah. Okay. So the other part was the thoughtless reviews. This was, did you watch any of my three thoughtless reviews? It was, uh, yes, these were, see, 
you played it so straight. I don't know if people realized what you were doing. No, well, the people that got it got it, and the people that don't don't. But that's sort of the point of satire, I guess. Is sometimes you're in on the joke, right? But the no, fact I, that I, there was this, this, I was feeling very. Sometimes I'm very cynical. Like I, you know, I'm normally pretty calm and level-headed, but sometimes, you know, I'm pretty cynical. Um, so this was after I had pretty much given up on the old reviews. I think I was working on Stinger for the NES, and I couldn't beat the game and uh, I just I stopped playing it and I stopped making the implant games reviews and I just started doing list videos with this 242 games worth of recordings I had and I did that for a while but I was very like annoyed that like I'm watching these other people make crappy YouTube videos and finding all of this success and I'm watching every single review of Cybermorph is the same thing. It is Skylar saying, where did you learn to fly? And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I've been hearing this joke for the last six years. This is so stupid. Or, um... Shadow the Hedgehog. Every freaking review of Shadow the Hedgehog is, oh my god, he's got guns. This is the stupidest thing ever. And I'm like, don't, isn't one of the most popular, like, games of that era a platformer with guns? Um, what is it? Is it Ratchet and Clank? <laughs> or is yeah. it the... No, it's Ratchet and Clank, not Jack yep. and Daxter. And I'm like, this like was a thing. Like, what what are you talking about? You're just talking out your ass. Or 32x Doom, and like every review you hear is just the same tired thing over and over and over again. And I was just feeling very discouraged. I'm like, this is this none of this is new content. It's the same rehashed things. And then someone left a weird comment for me saying, "You sound just like something something." Uh, I forget the guy's name, um, but he's like a really huge YouTuber, has nothing to do with video games, but he does a lot of satire um, style videos. And one of them that he does was like every something ever. So in my mind, I'm like every 32X Doom review ever. And then that's kind of how I went into it. And so I was feeling very cynical and very annoyed. And I spent like an entire week just writing down every cliched thing everybody says about 32X Doom. And then also why that's wrong so like doom 32x sounds weird but does it really sound like a fart not really i mean that's a pretty big stretch if somebody didn't already plant that you know in your head you might not even think that but it still has you're still missing the point of what 32x doom is so i kind of like wrote down all these cliches and why they were wrong and then turned that into a very short tight script and then when i read it i'm like this is so funny i I just i laughed when i read it i just thought it was the funniest thing ever and even if it was just me like my fu to the world that had turned their back on me at that point i just found it hilarious and uh maybe it was cybermorph that went first it doesn't really matter they're all they were all made within three weeks but that's kind of how that came about there was like i was somebody had pointed me to this youtuber that did these videos called every what you know every reaction video ever and then i'm like man every shadow the hedgehog review ever and then obviously i had to call it something else and i'm making the thumbnail and i've got like the washington monument on there and i think i have a spork on there and it's like just this nonsensical thing and it looks really nice like it's a good looking spork but it's totally pointless and that was kind of like okay i have this stupid thumbnail what am i going to call it and then i'm like well if i'm upset that these reviews have no thought then i will just call this the 
Thoughtless Review. And I thought people would see Thoughtless Review, Washington, or no, what is it out there in North Dakota or South Dakota with the faces on it? Oh, the, uh, um, oh man. I can't oh, remember. I feel awful. <laughs> I don't know either. We're <laughs> terrible Americans. So I have this stupid American monument or this amazing American monument, the stupid plastic f- spork, and it says thoughtless review. And I, I just, everything about it made me laugh. Like the spork is the most prominent thing on the thumbnail and it's called the thoughtless review. And I put it out there and it became immediately obvious. Like 20% of the people that watched it didn't get it. Rushmore. Sorry. Yeah, there it is, Mount Rushmore. And I, I just, the whole thing, it was kind of like letting out a frustration in a creative way for me. Yeah. And I, I, I do feel like two out of the three were pretty damn funny. And then one of them might have went a little too much into sarcasm rather than wit. Um, but overall, it was a different thought exercise for me at the end of the day. And uh, I don't know if I will ever make one again. If I do, it will be Crash Bandicoot Wrath of Cortex. Because I could probably turn that into a 10-minute video because the reviews of that game are so... People's complaints about that game are just so easy to make fun of that, make fun of um, that it would interest me, but I'm just not in that headspace right now. Uh, is Wrath of Cortex the... Uh, um, was that still PS... That was PS2, right? Yeah, that was the first cross-platform on the GameCube, Xbox, and PS2. Mm. And that was made by Traveler's Tales, who made the Lego games and Sonic R and Mickey Mania, but it was no longer uh, Naughty Dog or whoever yeah. it was. Well, I think you should do it. I think writing the line on it works. I think if people are in on the joke, they can kind of troll people in the comments who might not <laughs> understand what's going on. Um, uh, yeah, but I do think you're right. I think there is a, there is a, um, a balance between uh, raw cynicism and um witty satire yeah um i mean uh like i feel like uh completely off topic but related big bang theory to me uh is too cynical okay (laughs) um and none of the people in that show would actually be friends in real life because they're horrible people to each other and and they're they're mean spirited to each other um but but uh sitcoms uh a lot Seinfeld. of modern yeah they ride that line and uh some of them work and some of them don't and uh i Daily i like them I, I, satire. I think i feel like that's how i had come across your videos at first which was like the really? worst yeah <laughs> um but i was like who is this guy and like uh he, I, I was, he can't be he's not serious and and uh, it's like does, do people know he's not serious and uh but I, I would totally that I feel like you should be doing that as sort of a release valve for, uh, you know, like you were saying, uh, in a world of list videos, um, <laughs> it's I at time and I don't want to complain because I'm very lucky that I even make any money on YouTube. I'm very lucky that anybody cares what I have to say. I'm lucky that I'm still growing and I haven't hit some sort of wall. Um, so I, I definitely don't want to, you know, um, what is whatever the saying is with the gift horse. And mm. I don't want to ever sound too complainy or whiny, but sometimes like, damn, 
Like it's just <laughs> very unfair sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it is frustrating to watch people produce quality and because uh, you've you've done video reviews and mm-hmm. obviously you stop doing video reviews and you know exactly how like soul crushing it is to pour your heart and soul into something and then people, like a week later yeah. twenty people watched it and you're like this mm-hmm. sucks. Well, and, and, uh, I had the awful experience of, um, I had, okay. I was like, okay, this is going to be my thing. I'm, I'm going to make a name for myself doing this. And, and I was kind of helping other YouTubers and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to be able to get the word out on these videos and, and do all this stuff. And, uh, started playing the game, started capturing the footage, all that stuff because I had done it before as like a hobby, but I'm like, I, I think I can make this work as, as a thing and at least maybe start to bring in some money or at least get subscribe, grow my subscriber base and stuff like that. Because before that, uh, frustratingly, the most popular video that I had was a tutorial Star video. Wars snowflakes. Yeah. Star Wars snowflakes, <laughs> which is still, I hit it. I hit it. It's, it's unlisted, but it still gets hits every year because of websites that link to it. Um, but, uh, so, you know, the hours of gameplay, deciding in the capturing process do i do i write down a timestamp or am i going to go scrub through the whole the whole game again as i had played it to find what i'm talking about you know that whole process of coming up with a good flow for any of that um every video i was like how do i make it better how do i how do i get this to be better than the previous i got a bank i had a a bank of uh five videos and i'm like okay what's a good spacing on this i'll do one every two weeks based on on my pace that i was able to to out output started putting the videos up and every week i saw my subscribers shrink (laughs) (laughs) wait where are those star wars snowflakes (laughs) (laughs) right and it's like what what is going on here and and I was gaining and losing at the same time. And I think part of it was I, I had gained a lot of subscribers based off of something that it wasn't genuinely me that I wanted to be in that channel. And so I was fighting that, that group of uh, subscribers that I had gained. And it was a uh, very, very soul crushing to, to realize how much time you spend on something like that. But just like you're saying, you're only getting so many views and then, and then you break down how many views you're getting by how long they're staying on the video because you can see all that and it becomes even more like, wow, this hurts a lot. (laughs) You know, it's just, it's, uh, it's tough. Um, it's definitely, um, something that, that, uh, I, I, I couldn't keep up on, um, because I was self-employed. Um, unfortunately, um, the way that it, that works and, and how much time I have to spend on that. Uh, one of those re- jobs pays better than the other. And the <laughs> right. YouTube one isn't the one that pays. No, right. Exactly. <laughs> and being self-employed, the old saying is, uh, what is it? Um, people who work for themselves are the only kinds of people who work 80 hours not to have mm-hmm. to work 40. Yeah. And, and so that's a hundred percent true. And, uh, so that's, that's where my time has to be spent, unfortunately. Um, but I still play games. It's just, I can't, I can't do the process of capturing, editing, writing a review, that, that whole thing. Yeah. Well, and we'll talk more in the, as you ask more questions or I just don't shut up about it, about scrubbing <laughs> videos and just all of that. Like, I, the process, Rayman, just to, we'll end on this note. I had 10, 
10 recorded hours of Rayman. To find every shot I want, I have to look through 10 hours of gameplay footage to find a three second clip or a six second clip or a 10 second clip. It sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I think that is going to do it for today's episode. If you'd like to leave a comment or question, hit us up on Twitter. I am at implant. Matthew is at cricket K R I K I T and use hashtag IPG podcast. Otherwise, leave a comment on facebook.com slash implant games, the website implantgames.com. And until next time, guys have a great week. See you in two weeks. Have a great two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) All right, and cut.